looking at customers' faces when they're eating, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's enjoying that. Like, <laughs> she, you know, she's, 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 she's loving that, I can tell. Like, how good's that? That's the greatest um, sense of achievement now, yeah. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Over the last decade or so, it was commonly believed that large restaurant groups were the only way to make money. But many have come to realise that margin is king, not turnover. It's given rise to small bespoke offerings and the formation of small restaurant groups dishing up specialised intimate offerings. Have the rules on hospitality venues changed and will we see a new model of the ideal restaurant? Scott McComas-Williams is the executive chef and director of the Love Tilly Group in Sydney. Scott, how are you? Good, thanks, Mark. How are you going? Good. You're, um, you're a busy person. There's now five venues in the group and you have various roles with them. Well, what's, what's this year been like for you? The group has expanded quite dramatically. Yeah, it's been pretty crazy, as you can imagine. Um, well, the last two years have been pretty hectic. Uh, since opening regards here late 2019 um and then in into 2020 with all the craziness we were able to create a new business out of that and then um and then we've gone and done something silly and opened another one late this year so (laughs) just to just to keep us busy well, it's it's very positive reaction to uh, turbulent times. Um, Regazzi, as you just mentioned, was open just before the pandemic, but um, Fabrica was a different model for what you had previously been used to. What was it like putting that together? Um, look, it was pretty fun. It was interesting, eye-opening, because none of us had a background in retail or wholesale. Um we, It was basically born out of uh, necessity. So when... You know, we got told we had to close our restaurant, which had only been open for six months. And I, you know, I'd only been a business owner for that time. Um, pretty stressful time knowing that you had a lot of staff that depended on working in your venue. And so basically we got shut down on the Sunday and by the Monday I had a, a bootleg prototype for what became the Fabrica Pasta Packs. Um, yeah, it was pretty... Um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, it was pretty crazy looking back at it. Actually, yeah. yeah uh, you've got to be built a name for yourself as a pretty dab hand with pa- with pasta. But what was it like creating those packs for retail? Did you have to treat it differently? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's not going to be the same product that, that you get when you come in to dine it at Regazzi. But um, but it. But I mean, they're still they're still amazing. Uh, it's still great handmade pasta. Uh, it's obviously extruded. It's not rolled by hand. We can't. We couldn't produce that much pasta if we were doing it all by hand. But um, um, so it's still a beautiful, um, yeah, handmade product essentially. Mm. Take us back to when you were young. What, what sort of role did food play for you in your family? It was big. It was big. Yeah, mum was a mum was a really good home cook. Um, I spent quite a bit of time in the kitchen with her, um, mucking around and, you know, I was always watching cooking shows and people would give me cookbooks for my birthdays and Christmases. Um, back, <laughs> yeah, yeah, extended family as well. Um, 
you know, all the old daggy, all the all the old daggy Aussie um, TV chefs and stuff, you know, all the Hueys and, and the likes. Um, you know, it's, it was great. You know, it was part of my childhood. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, I would just, you know, as I got older, I'd do, I would cook the, you know, the, the family meals, the Sunday, the Sunday dinners and stuff. Um, yeah, it was good. <laughs> it was good fun. <laughs> Take us back to then. What, what sort of, is there a meal that you remember cooking or what sort of food were you cooking for those Sunday meals? Um, I did used to make a bit of pasta. Um, I think I got into paella um, from um, from a cookbook that a uh, good family friend Sid Weddle gave me. Um, what else was it? Yeah, a lot of roast beef and roast lamb and stuff like that. Slow roasting stuff. Um, you know, old hearty hearty food. Do you remember your first day uh, in a commercial kitchen? Is there any stories from that time that you can share? Yeah, well, I got a funny. I had a funny start because I actually, even though that all that that love of cooking, obviously when I was a kid, um, I went to I went to uni because um, you know I was back in the. I guess you know I went to good school and you get good grades and then you go to university. You don't go to TAFE, um, and <laughs> just because that's what you did. And then um, and then I dropped out. Doing I did arts for a couple of years. Didn't go to much class. Um, dropped out after a couple couple of years and then um, did go to TAFE for a little bit again. But um, I, I got um, Frank Kimura's number from, um, from Sid Weddle, who I was working for um, at uh, The Essential Ingredient. He owns The Essential Ingredient. And, and he basically said, if you, want to, if you want to cook, you need to go to a good kitchen. And he said, here's a list of names. Um, you know, it was like... Andrew O'Connell, Matt Wilkinson, Shannon Bennett, and Frank Kimura's number was name was on there as well. And I said, "Oh, can I have his number?" Because you know that Spanish cookbook you gave me for my twenty first birthday, um, you know that or whatever it was. Like, yeah, I think it might have been a younger one than that. But um, I was like, "Yeah, I, I want his number." So I just he put in a good word for me, and then I cold called him and. Yeah, he put me. Um, <laughs> he put me. Uh, he put me on three three doubles in a row, as as was um, as was standard trial back in the day. I guess so <laughs> now you got it. Now, now they trial you. You know, two hours max, and you still got to pay him. But um, no, he paid me. But it's um, but yeah, I was uh, I was on the the mixed olive section um, for. Yeah, and putting the tomato on the bread for the pan catalan. That was my that was my duties for my, my first my first duties. I was like a yeah, I was like a fish out of water there. That was that was pretty pretty mental. Mavita had a pretty incredible impact on the culinary landscape of, of Melbourne and Australia. What was it like in that kitchen? Oh yeah, it was amazing. So I had so I started at um Mavita Arcade, the one in Burke Street, the big one. The big boy, um, and I had Frank was obviously there, and Jimmy Campbell, who was the head chef, Matt Jamanchus, um was was one of the Sues, I think, and Ewan Crawford as well. So I had all these absolute guns, and then like Adrian Clemens, who's come back to be, to, to to run that restaurant again. Um, yeah, there was a, it was like 
Yeah, it's crazy thinking back like how how many great great people went through there and stayed as well. Um, you know, I stayed I stayed with the group for seven years, and some of them, yeah, and, a, and then a lot of these a lot of these guys did long service leave. Like Robbo from Original, he's you know he's still there. Chicken as well, he was he was a you know he was there for a long time too. It was um yeah, it was pretty um it was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's great great time. What did you take from from that experience? Well, obviously the love of the love of Spanish food. Um, yeah, Frank had a huge influence on me. He's um, yeah, he did a lot for for my um, I guess the yeah the way I see food and the way I taste food and the way I look at things. Um, I went, you know, I did, I was with. I was with him in Melbourne for what was it three years, and then um, I moved to Sydney to 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 open my to Sydney um, as the sous chef, and I ended up taking over as head chef there eventually. But um, in in the meantime, he let me go on a well, for want of a better word, a sabbatical, I guess. Um, yeah, and and I got to go over and and live in Spain for a bit and. Stars at a few different joints here and there, and sort of I being able to see like you know because I'd learnt it. He taught me all this. All he taught me about all these dishes, but you know, going and actually seeing them being made in the flesh, and then you just kind of understand. You kind of understand where oh, that's where that comes from. That's why they do this. That's you know, it's it's, it's it was quite yeah, it's quite fascinating. It was it was awesome, and you know, wouldn't um. Yeah, I'll thank you forever for that. Do you have any stories of the experiences you had over there or some of the dishes that um, spoke of that time? Yeah, I mean, just getting off the plane and walking into Madrid and not, go- and not going anywhere in particular or recommend- necessarily recommended, um, but just the first joint we walked into, my wife, Sophie, well, not wife now, but at the time, um, not at the time, but um, yeah. We um we just yeah we just rocked into some little joint and ordered a couple of canyas of beer and some mothia and some bocadillo de calamaris um you know some prawns razor clams and it's just like oh wow yeah I got it I get it yeah <laughs> and that was just it and that was a, a, you know a, a, nowhere fancy at all. You uh, did did many things before opening uh, your first restaurant, Regatsi. What, what what were some of the key moments in your career leading up to that? Well, I guess I wouldn't have ever thought of pasta. I always just you know had this love for Spanish food um, until I so Novedo Sydney closed in twenty sixteen. Um. Which is pretty um, gutting. Uh, they were meant to we went to move to another side in the city, but um, that fell through, and you know that whole street site wasn't perfect for it. Um, so yeah, the boys made a Frank and Andy made a decision to close it, and so I, being in that area, had made a good relationship with Andrew Chibe um, from one to one, and. Um, Vinny um, and Bert, Berta as well, obviously. And but one, two, one, and Vinny were next door. So that's why the, um, 
you know, we had a, we'd had a few vessels post-service um, here and there, and um, he talked me into jumping over to the Italian side. And, well, first I worked in all of his venues, um, just, I guess, moonlighting around there, and then... We then I helped him open Baco in the city, um, where I, yeah I guess yeah working with him was the first time I'd really made pasta in any professional sense, um, and I kind of fell in love with that product. Um, you know, just the just the potential of how much you can how you know how many different things you can do with it, and how many different shapes there are, and the, and why you serve this sauce with this shape, and why that doesn't work together and you know um shape comes before sauce um just all this all these different things and different flowers and different eggs and no egg and you know and you know using an extruder for the for the first time i had you know no idea um and dan johnson actually was there helping me out at the um at the start there. So he, um, he, he taught me a lot about the extruder because I didn't even know how to turn the bastard on, to be honest. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was good. Um, and the, yeah, and that's when my love of pasta and, you know, that was a full, that was a full trat, trat style, um, venue with anti primi secondi dolci, um, which I think is a great way to eat, but I just looked, you know, I looked at that and thought maybe, maybe you don't need the, the full fanfare. Maybe you can just do a pasta. Maybe you can just open a pasta bar. What was the transition like for you as a chef, having sort of really immersed yourself in Spanish cuisine and moving to Italian? Were there challenges? Uh, I guess just mastering the pasta. Um, and also, I guess, I mean, at the start, working with chips not being able to do um, Monte Mar, which is surf and turf, because uh, that's a big no-no in Italy, but, like, that's every dish in Spain. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've managed to bring back a fair few Catalan influences to the Regatti menu since the start, to be honest. In, in all fairness, a lot of my – in all fairness, a lot of my base sources have probably lead, lend themselves a bit better to the, um, the Spanish style of cooking. Than, um, than necessarily Italian, um, but you've got to be a, have a keen eye to notice, I reckon. Regazzi was uh, your first foray as a, as a co-owner of an establishment. Tell us about how that came about. Um, so I, I've known Matt and Nate for a while. I met Nate when I first moved to Sydney back in 2012 because I was working with his wife at Oveda Sydney. She was um, waiting there. And then, you know, so we just, and so I met, you know, I eventually met Matt through him and we kind of just, you know, were mates for, for a while. And then in 2018, Soph and I were in Hong Kong and we just happened to bump into Nate there who was over there for his mate's 30th. And we ended up spending quite a bit of time. And then one of the, you know, one of those late night nights out and you start talking about, um, businesses and if we, we should do something together and well, the original concept was a tapas bar. And we're like, cool, let's get back to Sydney and actually talk about this. And, and, we, and we did, but then uh, 
but then I kind of just curveballed them both and said, actually, no, it's going to be a, it's actually a pasta bar, guys. <laughs> and here's why. Um, and because I just wanted to, uh, I, want, I wanted to like, I mean, kind of like the, you go to, you go to a ramen bar and just have a bowl of noodles, but you go, go to Italian, you have to have a, a pasta and a protein. Like why, why can't you just have a place that's accessible? And, and you can just have a glass of wine in a bowl or you can have a full, you can, yeah, you can, you can have a bunch of snacks, you can have two bowls of pasta. They're not, you, you know, it, it's, you got options, but I didn't think there was any need to have the full, the whole, you know, the whole kit and caboodle. Like I think we could get, we could do some an amazing product. That's a, that's a, you know, a, a, you know, a finished product that was just at the end of the day, just pasta. Um, and that, yeah, and and then you know we were looking around Redfern actually because um, I thought it was more of a suburby thing, and then Nate found the uh, the old Angel Cafe in in the CBD in Angel Place, and I was like, this is behind my ex boss's joint, and um, <laughs> and we took it anyway, and <laughs> and then um, yeah, and it was a it turned out to be a. A ripping move because it's a it's a it's a it's a, a six art. I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a hidden away little uh, establishment. You wouldn't know about it if you knew unless you knew about it. And um, what's it been like operating such a small venue with such a a limited uh, specialized offering? Um. Well, I guess that was the the concept was always going to be that. The, you know, we we kind of as I'm sure you. As you alluded to earlier, um, we kind of only know small venues. <laughs> we kind of we don't know a lot. You know, we, we, we probably wouldn't have the skill set to do something big. So this was really in our wheelhouse, and um, and is I mean, as far as the the limited offering, I think like just as you, you know. As you say, if you don't know about it, you're not going to go there. But once you do know, and that's what you're going to get, and that's what you're prepared to, that's why you're going for lunch because you want to go for a bowl of pasta. You're not going there saying, "Oh, guys, got any steaks or anything?" You know, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's a couple of steak joints around the corner that they could, people could jump into. Um, so I think it's, yeah, I think probably early days might have been a little bit like, yeah, yeah, no, that's it. That's yeah, you can't turn over for the pizza menu. Um, that's this is this is what we do. Just pasta. Uh, I think once people sort of got to know us, and you know, I guess it's pretty much booked out all the time now. So that people obviously have um, heard of us, and so I think yeah, I think they once they know what to expect, it's not an issue. Well, Rugazzi was one of the the last restaurants that I reviewed as a, as a critic, and um, it was it was quite an extraordinary um, meal. Um, the, the pastas particularly. Um, tell us about some of the pastas and what it takes to deliver a great pasta dish. Yeah, I remember that. Haku was actually my favourite review. Thanks, so thank you, mate. Um, <laughs> I was at the pub when I read it, so maybe that helped. Um, <laughs> back when we used to close on Sundays. Um, the, yeah, so I guess like having a balance of, of you know, long... Long pastas, short pastas, egg pastas, semolina pastas, filled pastas, um, baked even as well. Um, as long as you've got a balance of all of all those meat, veg, seafood, 
Um, I think I think it did have probably would have had the Cavatelli back back then. This was, was pretty uh it's pretty early days, wasn't it? it was, um, so yeah, Cavatelli with a pork and fennel sausage, which we make um, in house. Well, we make it fabric in our back then. When I used to break down a pig in that little bar. That was just. Yeah, I don't know what the, I don't know what I was thinking, mate. <laughs> Everyone looked at me like I was crazy. What are you doing, mate? Um, and yeah, with with uh, pork sausage and pippies, with the cavatelli, the little hand rolled cavatelli. That was another thing that you know at the time we we're like, how are we going to keep up with this? There, um, you know, every single piece has been rolled by, rolled on a little gnocchi board by by hand. Um, so yeah, I think that, that was that was my favourite dish. To, um, it's probably still is one of my favourite pastas. Um, and then you know the ravioli would have been back then um, asparagus, I guess pecorino. Uh, you know that's a hand rolled again. Um, what else? Jeez, you just testing my memory there, Huck. Um, I've written a few menus since then. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about what it takes to create a great pasta dish. Uh, Wow. Um, So first, you come up with the the shape and the sauce. You can't just, you know, they've got to work together. If you want to do a... If you want to do a shape, then then you'll have to come up with a sauce to match that, and vice versa. If you know, if someone's got such and such prod, produce, <clears throat> then we can work around that. We can say, okay, what what sauce can we make with that? What what shape will go with that? Um, you know, scallops are in season in the winter, for example, and some truffle. We can do a you know a good price on scallops. Let's do a fagatini. Um, because we can, you know, make a stuff past, make a nice little uh, little scallop fast, and then stuff it inside. That, that's one of that's a classic one of one of our favourites that we do. Um, you, you know, there's some wonderful uh, Cavalinero that's been coming out of Moonacres Farm. So Alex Major, who's the head chef there, who you know will will, will you know will make a nice green sauce um, and use it with a cavatelli, a, a, past, a shape that's, you know, designed for those that loves those sort of veg, veggie-based sauces that can catch all the all the bits. Um, but, yeah, it, it needs – I haven't really answered your question there, mate. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the, the pasta and the sauce has to match um, and it needs to be balanced. I think a lot of people – See, to me, I probably don't cook it. I, our pastas probably aren't exactly how an Italian would dig it. Um, we do sauce it harder than – we do sauce it for an Aussie palate. So, you know, when you go into, you know, Rome, if you can remember that far back, um, to like Rosciolli and you get that, you know, the carbonara or the cacio pepe, and it's just coated. It's just perfect. It's just, you know, it's just on the – and it comes out – screaming hot straight away and you've got to eat that straight away. You can't let that sit because it just ends up being dry. We kind of cook our pasta, make our sauces more 
for the for the Aussie palate with a bit of extra, you know, a little bit wetter than than they might like. Um, and so I, that's that's I, I really like. I think yeah, that makes more sense to me. Um, yeah, so a bit saucy um, needs to have acid. You know, a lot of butter goes into pasta to emulsify at the end. Um, and needs to needs to have acid, which I think a lot of people probably forget. So we have a, a wonderful pantry of different vinegars that we that we finish off um, the different pastas with at, at Regazzi, which is probably yeah most of them are, most of them are Spanish too. Because <laughs> uh, yeah, Spanish vinegar I can't get away from that. I can't. I, I, I have to have that. I have to have a bunch of them. Since joining uh, Love Tilly Group, it's your role has changed exponentially um, from from being a chef and and co-owner to the multiple venues. Well, what's what's the average day for you like now? Uh, right now is uh, <laughs> right now I'm uh, I'm at Lassa Loop five days a week um, doing doing the services just because. New venue, got to be there, obviously, um, and I like being there. Um, and then I'll try and spend the mornings getting around, probably, probably more. To be honest, more in front of the computer than um, than in the kitchens. And then Tuesdays, I'll try and do, yeah. So it's, it's, at the moment, it's six days, but you know, I'll probably get back to five days. Um, sooner rather than later and just doing yeah so just just basically bouncing from venue to venue catching up with people i don't really i i mean we've got some amazing chefs in the group we got alex as i mentioned before at regatti um simon at dsa now louise um and tom at love tilly's writing the menu now um and then so that was like I don't really go around. I don't want to be like that sort of exec chef that has to have his finger in every dish. You know, these guys are wonderful chefs. They they kind of use me as you know. I like them to just use me when they when they need to. Um, and we kind of just spend time and bounce ideas, and you know, I give them ideas, and they'll come back with stuff as opposed to sort of like me trying to push stuff on them. If that, if that, does that make sense? Yeah. You're spending a lot of your time at the Bar Salute at the moment because it's just, just opened. Um, tell us a bit about it and what you love about it. Well, as I said, like um, Nate and I were, you know, we always wanted to do a, a tapas bar or, a, or something Spanish anyway because there hadn't been a like. I mean, there hadn't, there hasn't, there's, not a, there's not a lot of the offering in Sydney. There's a hell of a lot of pasta. Not a lot of Spanish food. Um, and, you know, that was always our plan to do something like that. Um, and, yeah, it's, I, I kind of wanted to do something a little bit more Catalan because that's where I spent most of my time when I was in Spain, working in, in Barcelona and, and around there and tapas bars. So, yeah, I wanted to do something to sort of show – how good the vermouth scene is, and how good the how good the Spanish wine scene is at the moment, and and you know how and how good tapas really is when it's you know when the word when that word's not abused. Um, 
which I, yeah, I mean, because we all we all know that word, but I think we haven't seen too many examples of of actual tapas in in Sydney. Can you give us some examples of great tapas? Um, I mean, just any any anchovy on on a vessel is just the, one of the best things you'll ever eat, and that's why we have you know an anchovy dish at every at every venue. Um, always Cantabrian. Uh, just a just a tortilla, a slice of tortilla, a perfect wedge of cooked, just an onion and potato. Like I, 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 you know, I do them on the on the weekends at La Salute just for the munches, and gee, it's good. I hadn't eaten them, I hadn't made one in so long. Um, you know, Frank taught me how to do them. It's just a little slice, I call it a pincho of tortilla, and. Um, I think that's one of the most classics. The, the calamari sandwich is probably the one of the one of the most famous though um, in Madrid, and and Frank obviously does an amazing amazing one of them uh, down at uh, Arkey. We used to do. Jeez, I hate. I shudder to think how much. Calamari we used to clean up down there. My hands were black. My hands were black, and I think I have, like, an allergy to it now because <laughs> I did so much of it. Um, yeah, I used to have to wash my hands with salt after every after every day because it was like, yeah, they were just black. Was like, you know you can buy this stuff clean, Frank? He's like, no, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I think you can, mate. <laughs> you fell in love with cooking at a, at a young age. What, what is it that you love about what you do? Probably, like... Cooking was actually being in the kitchen was like for you know for for so many years just amazing like I just loved it and you know and then moved on to like running the pass and that and that was just like such a a wonderful sense of achievement like you know I'm in charge of this kitchen team and how how good's that and um, and then writing menus which is what I've been doing for the last. Couple, you know, the last few years. That's a. That's just. You know, that, that's one. Of, that's probably my favourite thing to do. Really, menu development. Um, and to be honest, now it's just looking at customers' faces when they're eating, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's he's fucking enjoying that. Like, <laughs> she, you know, she's 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 loving that. I can tell. Like, how good's that? You know, I used to hate wondering what, the, you know, wondering what the customers were thinking and stuff. And now it's like that's probably to me. And people coming up to you after after lunch or dinner and saying, "Thank you so much. That was awesome. Can't wait to come back again." I think that for me is like, I think that for me is just the best. Yeah, that, that that's the that's the greatest um, the greatest sense of achievement now yeah the group has grown um, pretty amazingly in the last uh, couple of years what, what are you looking forward to in 2022 not opening a venue um, <laughs> uh, yeah that was our that was our new year's resolution last year though so um, and look how well we did there but um, yeah <laughs> I think um, yeah trying to do you want to get it get back into the office a bit more and not so much, not so many um, late night services? Probably would be pretty good. Um, 
spending a bit more time with the family. I've got a one-year-old, Ned, and and with my wife, Sophie, would be um, that'd be pretty good. Um, so yeah, that yeah, we're probably um, yeah trying to just consolidate a little bit and not and not um, and not go too hard next year. Um, there's uh, yeah, I don't think I've got any concepts left at the moment anyway. So, <laughs> there's only so much, right? <laughs> well, uh, Scott, it's an absolute pleasure to catch up with you today. Congratulations on the success that you've had in in troubling times and um, look forward to catching up again. Please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it a lot. Cheers. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>